Hey guys, if you aren't watching Ted Lasso on Apple TV, then you are missing out. Jason Sudeikis plays an American college football coach who heads to London to manage AFC Richmond, which is a struggling English Premier League soccer team. There's a specific episode that is my absolute favorite. It's season one, episode eight, and it's titled The Diamond Dogs. And we'll get into why that's called that and the several reasons why it's my favorite in just a minute. But I was rewatching this episode and I was inspired to share with you why this show and particularly this episode is my absolute favorite. There are some great takeaways that I'd like to share with you, like putting together a group of close knit people who could act as your own personal advisory board, my thoughts on the acronym COLE, servant leadership, and how asking questions keeps you curious, not judgmental. I'm back from a short hiatus. I've been really focused on my captain's promotional test that's actually still going on, but I do have a bit of good news. I passed the written portion of the process, so that means I get to move on to the tactical portion where I get to sit in a virtual command center and work fireground tactics and strategy for what I'm assuming will be a structure fire incident and a major motor vehicle incident. So we'll see. From there, I get to go to a panel interview and answer questions on leadership and whatnot. So these are exciting times. And you also might hear a dog barking in the background. <laughs> My neighbor got a new dog. Been I've been here for 20 years. I think he moved in like a week before I moved in. Never has he had a dog. All of a sudden he wants to buy he wants to adopt a dog. He's got a big beautiful German shepherd in the in his backyard. But uh never takes it on walks and then is wondering why it has all this energy and I I offered to take it on walks. Her name is Cody. She's beautiful. Um, I might just sneak over when he leaves and take her on a run or a, at least a walk because she's got tons of energy. But anyway, if you hear her barking in the background, that's Cody. So uh, back to it. The past few weeks, I was able to have some great conversations with some wonderful people who are focused on missions of their own. And I hope you got a lot of value from those conversations that I shared. I know I did. I made some good uh, relationships, some good friendships. But taking a break allowed me to focus on my study material for the written test. So now that that test is behind me, I can focus on the tactical portion and my interview stuff that's coming up in April. And I really appreciate all your support and engagement in the group, you guys. As I continue on with episodes that aren't interviews and conversations specifically, I will schedule a Zoom for us to dive a little deeper on each respective topic. So let's get to today's topic. Now, just to be clear, uh, I'm going to talk openly about this show, but I'll do my best to minimize any spoilers. I'm talking about Ted Lasso. So if you haven't seen it, I'm going to do my best here. But uh, regardless, you should be watching this show. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. 
Anyway, in, uh, in previous episodes, Ted has gone through a divorce and has had some trouble adjusting to life in the UK. And in the beginning of this episode, Ted's having some new relationship issues. He gets off the team bus from traveling back from an away match where he tells his assistant coach that he had a one-night stand with the club's owner's best friend. Ted isn't known for being someone who doesn't talk. So naturally, his assistant coach asks him if he wants to talk about it. Uh, They go to his office, and the equipment manager and owner's assistant also join in. Ted talks about some guilt he's feeling, and his guys walk him through reasons why he shouldn't be holding on to such guilt, and that he should embrace his life as things come to him. Ultimately, he feels much better, and significant bonds of trust, accountability, and friendship are formed. And it's really great to watch. It's really it's really neat to watch this play out. Uh, Ted talks about how it's so great to have a group of friends and mentors that he can go to to ask important questions like this, and how it's great to have a support system. He suggests that they come up with a name for themselves, and a few are tossed around like the EQ Warriors. I'm not sure if that's a reference to EverQuest or whatnot, but anyway, uh, someone says like the Knights of Support, and someone, <laughs> someone suggests that sounds like a uh, a certain type of jockstrap. Uh, someone says the Proud Boys, and you can see the implications there. And eventually, they settle on the Diamond Dogs. And as the episode moves on, the Diamond Dogs get to come together again to help Roy Kent, the team captain, with his own relationship issues, and it plays out like magic. Roy is is very closed off, very gruff, but he's dealing with some issues of frustration due to a lack of communication on his part and the spiteful actions of the girl he's interested in, who is the soccer club's PR representative, which just so happens to be the former girlfriend of another player who is a huge douchebag. Now, it wouldn't be interesting to watch if it wasn't as complex as this, right? But trust me, it's a really great show that has tons of leadership lessons and is just an all-around good-natured show to watch. It's really great to watch how this group of men, the Diamond Dogs, come together to openly talk about issues that they're facing and help provide not just perspective, but mentorship on how to handle the situation and which steps to take next. About midway through this episode, Ted and the club owner, Rebecca, go to meet with minority owners at the local pub to hear their ideas and concerns. And to their surprise, they're met by Rebecca's ex-husband, Rupert who reveals that he helped his new fiancé purchase the shares of the people they were supposed to meet there. So the ego on Rupert is about as big as his finances, which are huge. Okay, He uses his money to buy influence rather than earning it through genuine quality relationships. And this is where Ted Lasso and Rupert differ big time. Anyway, Rupert buys a round for the entire pub to celebrate their new purchase of shares in the football club. And of course, everyone in the pub is hailing Rupert, regardless of how openly disrespectful he is to Rebecca and Ted, simply because he buys them all drinks, right? Instant friendship. Then they start up a seemingly innocent, friendly game of darts. Well, have you ever noticed that when you're dealing with a slimy, ego-driven person, nothing is ever actually what it seems? For example, you can't just play a simple game of darts. It's got to turn into some kind of competition, typically spurred by the one trying to feed their ego. 
And that's exactly what happens here. So Rupert wants to make a bet. He bets 10,000 pounds for the winner. And Ted counters with allowing him to pick the starting line for the next match. Everybody's wanting Ted to fail. Um, you know, they're undermining him at every turn. But as the darts fly, the gap narrows for Ted's ability to win. And before he takes his final shots, he gives a speech. A speech which makes this episode my absolute favorite. A speech that I'd like to read to you right now. So again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the episode, maybe even take a moment, look it up on YouTube. I don't know if you want to watch him. If you want to watch him, give it. That's cool. Uh, I know I'm not going to do it nearly as good a justice as Jason Sudeikis did. I think he actually earned his Emmy for this. But anyway, he says, you know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. And it used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there, and it said, Be curious, not judgmental. And I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them was curious. You know, they thought they had it all figured out. And so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because if they were curious, they would ask questions like, Have you played a lot of darts, Ted? To which I would have answered, Yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon in a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away. How often do you find yourself on either side of this? We can all be judgmental at times, and we're all definitely curious about the things that, that interest us. Depending on how conscious we are in our efforts to gain understanding is what helps define us as people. When people show up for their shift at the firehouse, and they're having obvious problems with their spouse, maybe they're having stressful and emotional phone calls, maybe their focus isn't where it needs to be, regardless of what's going on, do you find yourself keeping quiet and silently judging those people? Or do you reach out and ask them questions, offering an ear? This would be a perfect opportunity to start curating your own team of diamond dogs. Make connections with the people you serve with. Build a brotherhood. Ask questions. Build trust. Why not start with your crew? Some crews we can choose, you know, through bidding or whatnot, and some crews we're, we just kind of get put on. Still, that doesn't mean you can't foster these relationships, right? The more I thought about Ted Lasso and his diamond dogs, I couldn't help but think about that old saying that with enough pressure, a lump of coal turns into a diamond. So I did some research on that, and it turns out that in order to create a diamond, carbon would need 725,000 pounds of pressure and an extreme amount of heat exerted on it. I thought, of all the symbolic implications of how pressure builds character, or at the very least reveals it, how only by going through challenges do we find out who we really are and who we can become. About how the refiner's fire shapes steel and hardens it to perform its purpose. And although I really like those adages, I got to thinking about an acronym that I was taught when relating what my goals and intentions are to the fire service. And that acronym is COAL. C O 
A-L. This acronym is one that helps me stay focused on my approach to dealing with issues when I'm at work, and to be quite honest, when I'm at home too. So here's what each letter stands for. C stands for communication. O for organizational expectations. A is accountability. And L is leadership. So let's break each one of these elements down, shall we? You know how I love doing that. So let's put some pressure on this coal. C, communication. In just about every book on organizational health that I've ever read, communication was the biggest issue challenging organizations around the world. People don't feel free to openly communicate. People don't know how to clearly communicate. Or people just aren't skilled in the manner in which they should communicate. Understanding how and when to communicate is huge. There are university degrees specifically in communication, right? If you can set a tone and set a standard for how and when communication should happen within your organization, then you're doing better than most people. Simply having the thought of wanting to communicate better already sets you apart from the people who don't even have this thought on their radar. And then they just keep wondering why things keep falling apart. So establish a template or an approach, put it into action and practice it often. Think about communication real quick. And when it comes to, you know, getting on the radio, you don't just get on the radio and have a conversation, right? You take a minute, you think about what it is you're going to say, you cue up the mic, and then you, you get your message across. You keep it short, succinct, to the point, and you talk about the things that are most important, right? You don't go on and on and on and tell the story of the task you're completing. And if you are that person, the radio's probably bonked you off, right? So you, you think about what you say, you cue up the mic, you deliver your message, and then you wait for a response, right? Why not take that approach in real life? Why do people just go around, you know, spewing verbal diarrhea all over everyone and then act as if it's other people's fault for not understanding what it is they're saying? It's ridiculous. So put some effort into it. Take a minute. Think about what you're going to say. Act as if you're queuing up the mic. Be succinct. Be concise. Get to the point and wait for your response. There's one person um, I know who's in a position of leadership who's doing good on the asking questions part. However, his questions are, are seemingly all based on a level of defensiveness. And what I mean here is that if he feels someone disagrees with him or is challenging his thinking, he becomes focused on making that person feel as if they shouldn't have questioned him at all. He takes it personal. So for those of us who, who know the four agreements, right, that's a big one. Don't take anything personal. But anyway, for example, I witnessed someone offer an opinion on fireground training that didn't align with how he believes things should go. He said, or he asked, well, what do you think we should do? Kind of in a tone that, that already undermines any answer that this person would give, rather than being genuinely interested in hearing them explain their opinion. And as you know, on a fireground or in an incident, there's multiple ways of accomplishing a task. So no one particular way is right, right? I mean, we know that. Asking questions is good, but knowing how to ask those questions in an unassuming tone, inviting real conversation and contribution is what builds trust among your team. Moving on to O, organizational expectations. 
Regardless of our personalities and our own personal beliefs, we need to operate within the boundaries of our organization's expectations, period. The same could be said for our families, right? We are an organization. There are things that are tolerated and things that are not. And when someone operates outside of those boundaries, corrections and coaching need to take place. Just like when my son took some gum from Target when he was five, right? He was a toddler. He put, he, he saw gum that he wanted. He took it and put it in his pocket. I had to take that moment as an opportunity to communicate to him the boundaries that we live by. It was completely innocent, but I've seen a lot of parents harshly discipline kids for stuff like this, like smacking their hands, yelling at them, scolding them, when all he was doing was what he saw us doing, really. I mean, taking stuff off the shelves that we wanted, right? Putting it in our cart. He didn't understand. And to him, it was no different. He was five. He didn't have a concept of money, right? He didn't know how all that worked. So I had to explain to him how we pay for the things we want with the money we earn from work. It was a moment where I could have come down hard on him for something he didn't understand, or I could have taken it as an opportunity to provide understanding and line out expectations, right? I chose the latter, and I've never had an issue with it again. The same goes for the people on our crew. How can we expect them to trust us, help bring them to a level of understanding, if we're just waiting to pounce on them and punish them when they unknowingly step outside the boundaries. Now, there's a difference between taking a step outside the boundaries and those who continually and purposefully live outside them, right? That's a discipline issue, and that should be handled accordingly through consistency and accountability. Which brings me to the next letter of the acronym, A, accountability. This means good and bad. Guys, accountability isn't a bad word. Making sure that people understand when they're performing as expected or even when they exceed those expectations is crucial. That's accountability in action. I hear a lot of people say things like, well, no news is good news. As in, if you don't hear anything, that's a good thing. But is it really? I was listening to the, the Real AF podcast the other day with Andy Frisella. Real Andy Frisella, right? I mean, there's puns on that, but you get the idea. He's the CEO and founder of First Form, a hugely successful fitness supplement business. And in this episode, episode 249 to be exact, he was talking about how people will work for money, but they will die for recognition. And how true is that? A little recognition of a job well done goes a long way. Even letting someone know you appreciate them in some small manner has a big impact. Accountability isn't a negative word. Let's hold each other accountable for the good things as well as the bad. We all need help from time to time. Let's be the brothers we said we'd be and help lift each other up and keep each other on track. Finally, the L, leadership, right? Ted Lasso makes homemade biscuits to bring to his boss daily. At first he was, or at first she was reluctant and she didn't really trust it, but then she tasted one, and it was like that scene in Ratatouille where the food critic gets taken back to his childhood. It was just like that, but in real life. From then on, she looked forward to these biscuits that he'd bring her every day. Now, this wasn't just something he did to kiss his boss's ass, right? It was a gesture of gratitude for having faith in him to lead their team to victory. He was hired to do a job, and he was expressing gratitude for the faith that they had in him. And not only that, it was a way 
to let her know that she could trust him. Now, there are some underlying tones going on here. And as you guys watch the show, you'll learn more about that. But anyway, his motivation was pure in that. There are a lot of different types of leadership out there, like leadership styles. There's democratic, there's autocratic, there's laissez-faire, which I don't really consider that quote unquote leadership. But anyway, there's transformational, there's coach style, which I really like. And I feel that aligns right along with uh, the one that I've witnessed go the farthest, which is servant leadership, just like Ted Lasso showed his boss. Servant leadership is the idea that you're there to serve those who you work for, who you work with, and who work for you. Let me give you some examples of that. So I know I've told this story before, but it fits perfectly here with what I'm trying to express. Years ago, I was taking a class on customer service when I was finishing out my bachelor's degree in fire service management, and the class was being held at the Tempe Fire Department Training Center in Tempe, Arizona, which is just outside of Phoenix. Now, ASU, uh, Arizona State University is located in Tempe, Arizona, for those of you that don't know. But anyway, my instructor for this class was, at the time, Fire Chief of Tempe, Cliff Jones. And during a break, I walked outside to stretch my legs, and as I strolled around the training ground, I witnessed the soon-to-be-retiring Fire Chief walking around the building, bending over and picking up trash with his hands. This was a moment that was tattooed in my mind forever. I will never forget how this man at the pinnacle and end of his career still had the humility and respect for the job to go on trash duty. In my opinion, no menial task is too lowly for the highest ranking officer to perform. And he showed me that that day. But please don't get me wrong here. If the chief is too focused on the lowliest of things all the time, if he's if all he's doing is picking up trash, then that's not good, right? Then they aren't focused on their main chiefly duties. However, what I witnessed here was a man who was willing to take a few moments to make sure that his training center looked cleaner and more presentable. That was leadership in action. When meeting with his firefighters, a captain or chief who is operating under the role of a servant leader isn't the one who demands, where's my coffee? Who's got my coffee? They're the one asking others if they want cream and sugar in theirs. This sets the tone for trust. It sets the tone for humility. And when you have trust and humility, you can have real honest conversations about things that truly matter. Not BS small talk that keeps people at a distance for the entirety of their career, right? Where ultimately you've worked 20 years with a person you don't even really know. You're just superficial. Hey, how's, how's things going on? What's going on? You know, basic BS stuff. Do what it takes to respectfully talk about the things that matter. Only then can you identify the barriers in your way and can you work together to remove those barriers. Guys, I'm telling you. You've got to watch Ted Lasso. I know I'm not getting paid to say this or anything like that. It's, it's a great show. There are a lot of implications for leadership and building relationships, which quite honestly are what this job is all about, right? So start curating your own group of diamond dogs. Speaking of dogs, you can hear Cody going crazy, right? Reach out to people you trust, people whose opinions you value, and invite them to have some conversations. Invite them to get together outside of work 
as you build a tight unit of people you trust, other people are going to look at the bonds you're building and they're going to want to be a part of it. In my experience, this manifests a few different ways. They're either going to ridicule you or they'll want to be a part of it. There are those few people who are just doing their own thing and focused on that. But for the most part, people will either want to crucify you or support you. This is what happens when you draw a line in the sand and let people know what you stand for. Have the courage to stand for something. Use the acronym COLE to make sure you're communicating effectively, that you're holding to organizational expectations, that you're holding yourself and others accountable for the good as well as the bad, and making moves to lead yourself and others to build something great by serving others. And remember, be curious not judgmental. If you're interested in jumping on a free Zoom with me and want some help identifying systems that could work for you when it comes to aligning yourself to be the firefighter you would want on your crew, then click the link in the show notes and join the Ignited Firefighter Facebook group. I've got a Zoom scheduled for Tuesday, March 22nd at 8 p.m. Arizona time. And during this one-hour block, we'll talk about what we can do to identify some ways we can be servant leaders we can curate our own group of diamond dogs, and we'll discuss strategies that will help us get to where we want to be. I'm really looking forward to quality engagement with those of you who listen to and support the show. And as you guys know, I'm all about quality and not quantity. I'm eager to hear what you guys have going on in your lives and what you'd like to work toward. And I really mean it when I say this. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Ignited Firefighter podcast. I produce this show for free, so please, if you're getting value from this show, give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd also ask that you share just one episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It'll be a great discussion point for you to connect with those on your crew, and it'll introduce them to what we're doing here at Ignited. If you yourself are looking to be a part of this growing community, then join the Ignited Firefighter Facebook group by clicking the link in the show notes or doing a quick search on Facebook. Join the group, become a part of the movement, contribute to the conversation, and take what you need while giving what you can. Again, thanks for listening, and if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be Ignited. Ignited.